0: Yo, yo, what's up everyone? Pete Forsey, the podcast, Friday afternoon edition. I wanted to let the NFL free agency simmer down a little bit. Last thing I wanted to do was uh, talk about something and then have breaking news come in and just outdate whatever the heck I was talking about here. Um, So I think it's going to cool off here on Friday. There will be still some movement on the NFL front, but... Uh, you know, all the major things have taken place here, so I think we should be good. Um, not really going to waste time giving you a rundown on what the show's going to be. I'm going to talk about the NFL. That's uh, it's been a while since I've been on the horn here recording. Last Wednesday was the last time I uh, I sh- shared some time with you guys, and feels like forever. Feels like a lot has changed, and I'm just going to dive right in here. Um, this entire week. Took me back to a conversation as far as what happened this week, the series of events and in trades and you know, free agent signings. It took me back to a conversation I once had with my dad. My dad, like me, likes the NFL, but he certainly doesn't pay attention to it to the extent that I do. So a lot of times he relies on me to kind of keep him up to speed on what's going on. And a few years ago, I remember he entered the room when I was watching. TV might have been like NFL Live or MLB Network, what have you. And he asked me about what was uh, the headline on the television. He said, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. This team is doing well. This player contracted us up. And he asked me to confirm if that's what was happening. And my response to him was, well, while that was the case just a short time ago, this player said that. This GM got fired. The owner said this, so the direction has completely changed. And his remark to that was like, Man, sports is like a soap opera. You really gotta pay attention to it every day because things change. And it's it really rings true. It really does ring true. And the reason I thought of that is because when I looked at all looked at all of the attention that the Oakland Raiders were getting for their free agent movement this year there were some people that had glowing reviews they liked it and there were some that didn't like it and a lot of them started to use that buzzword again rebuild the word that is a figurative place for nfl franchises i i'm so sick and tired of the rebuild phase in the nfl it goes. It's right up there along with the figurative window. While I'm not saying it's not a, a phase for an NFL team during any given year, I think it's just far overblown. This is a win-now league. You don't concede seasons in the NFL. You always want to win. Now, there are times where your franchise is in a state where it's far too gloomy to make bold decisions, take risks. But the players, the coaches, they don't show up to concede a season. You are supposed to allocate your resources to win. Sometimes your resources are depleted. Sometimes they are abundant. The whole John Gruden, Mike Mayock, or even... Mark Davis, that they came out and admitted that they are tearing things down to the studs and thinking long-term here, thinking Vegas, I haven't heard a clear admitted declaration from any of those guys. Yes, they didn't sign Khalil Mack, and everyone thought that was the first sign and the most major sign that that team wasn't going to contend and that they're tearing everything down. They did go ahead and trade Amari Cooper after that. But let's back up to Khalil Mack. Do we know the guaranteed signing that he got? It's 90 million. 90 million and 60 of that 90 million was guaranteed at signing. So the Oakland Raiders had to prove that they had 60 million to give to Khalil Mack. Had they signed him. This is the contract that the Chicago Bears signed him to. So I'm just kind of keeping everything equal here. Because obviously. Maybe he wouldn't have received that contract. For the Raiders. But this is the type of player. That he is. So keeping everything equal. The Raiders would have had to prove. And put in escrow. To Khalil Mack. That they had $60 million to give him. I think the truth is coming out now. And it's what. Was reported. It's kind of what I suspected. And while I would have tried to keep Khalil Mack, if this is what it took to keep him, it sounds like the Oakland Raiders don't didn't have the cash. They didn't have the cash flow to prove to Khalil Mack that they could give him sixty million dollars. Now the the Oakland Raiders just dished out one hundred nine million in guarantees to four players in free agency. One hundred nine. In guarantees, not in signing bonus, however, total guarantees over several years. A.B. got three. Trent Brown got five. Joyner got four. Tyrell Williams, it's not official yet, but it sounds like he got four as well. The Oakland Raiders are doing something that I like. They are trying to build their roster. They're using the resources that are given to them at this time to accelerate the the process Of making the playoffs. If you want to use rebuild, sure, but I think we kind of have this idea of what a rebuild is, and it's kind of this one-size-fits-all thing. Do you remember the Los Angeles Rams heading into the 2017 season? They were supposed to be rebuilding at that point. They went on to make the playoffs. The Philadelphia Eagles that same year All the talk in the NFC East was the Dallas Cowboys from 2016, Dak and Zeke. The Washington Redskins still had Kirk Cousins, who many thought could potentially reach a ceiling of elite. They thought they would make the playoffs before the Eagles. The New York Giants had made the playoffs in 2016. The Philadelphia Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. The Indianapolis Colts, 2018. Everyone thought that they were rebuilding That they were still a year away from contention. Yeah, they went on to make the playoffs and win the division. We need to stop with the whole idea that rebuilding is some project. It's not baseball. Baseball rebuilding is a real thing. If you were to ask me, I would still think it's grossly overstated, but it is actually a real thing because in baseball, you have to build a farm system, you have players you need to develop. Sometimes your players that reach the major leagues, they don't even reach their ceiling until the sixth year, sometimes longer. In the NFL, if a player is deployed correctly, you usually know what you got by year three, sometimes year two. I like what the Raiders did here. There's been some flack that they don't have a plan. I'm not really a big plan guy. Because plans go out the window the moment the opposition moves their chess pieces. This is the NFL. You have the same allocation of resources as far as the salary cap. You start with the same draft picks in each year unless you decide to move them, and you know who you're going to be playing, and you know what their roster limits are because they're the same as yours. In other industries and in under other businesses, you focus more on yourself because not everything is as public In other industries as far as what your opposition is doing. However, in the NFL, you know exactly what the limitations and restrictions are. So it is more of a game. You hear the players say that the game is a business when it comes to contract talk times. Well, guess what, man? Upstairs, the business is a game. The Raiders are trying to play that game. If it's effective... Well, that will bear out in a few years, but I like that it doesn't appear to be that they're trying to tear it down to the studs, concede seasons, and not take advantage to what is in front of them. They got Antonio Brown, a destination that I listed last week as a as a top spot for him, and then they added Tyrell uh, Williams, a great deep threat that will aid well in the development of the offense, and also Derek Carr. They got LaMarcus Joyner, a safety who can also play slot corner in a pinch and is really just the modern-day D-back that you want, along with Trent Brown, who, yes, is overpaid, but was the best tackle available on the market. I like what the Raiders are doing here. They're proving to us that, again, you don't have to lose and concede seasons year after year after year to be a good team in contention consistently down the line. Let's see what happens. I like the moves. But in the future, we'll see how it bears out. The next conversation is really a conversation of two parts. Odell Beckham Jr. traded to the Cleveland Browns. First-round pick, third-round pick, along with Jabril Peppers. They go to the Giants. The Browns get Odell. You know, a lot of people crushing this. A lot of people crushing this because of the talent and skilledful player that Odell is. And then also calling it foolish based on the return on paper. And really in actuality, the return does not match the player first round pick third and a throw in of Jabril Pe- peppers who will, he'll fill the team, uh, does really play well in space, but it, You know, really just a a throw-in of a player. He's not really going to move the needle much for the Giants. Um, The return certainly doesn't match the player, I don't think. However, I just got off talking about how this is a game. Upstairs, it's a game. In the executive office, it's a game. And I think what Dave Gettleman wanted to do for the moment he took over was not extend Odell Beckham Jr., And potentially trade him to get a return. And I think what he saw... After what... The Steelers got in return... For Antonio Brown... I think he said... Oh gosh... If I wait any longer... And everyone knows... That I want Odell out of the building... I'm going to get little to nothing. I'm going to get something like that... Potentially even less. Now... He certainly cut his losses with this deal. I think he's eating 16 million in dead money. That that that's not good. And what it does show is that he made the wrong decision in trusting Pat Shermer, because Gettleman, I'm sure, wanted to do this from the get go, but when he hired Pat Shermer, Shermer convinced him to let him have his chance with Odell, both in the offense and also to see if he can straighten him out as far as who he is. So in that regard, I am totally with people that say this was dumb execution. It's It was bad execution. But what David Gettleman ultimately did was he carried out the decision he wanted to do from the moment he took over. You might say, why did he extend him? Well, he didn't want a disgruntled player. And he wanted to sign a guy before the final league year happens in 2020. He wanted to sign the guy before that. And so his new head coach could have someone peaceful heading into uh, their first season together. Bad execution, but the decision, I'm okay with. And that seems to be the split that I'll probably have with most people. Media members, fans, whoever. Because all the media that I'm looking at. A lot of them are slamming the decision. Because Odell's a good player. And. You know I've listed before. The p- things that I have problems with. And I can't. I don't. I can't overstate it. I don't think anyone can either. If you see who wins the Super Bowl every year. And the teams that are consistently there. It's teams that have culture. And Unless. I guess it's if you don't consistently listen to the successful teams, the teams that get it done, and pay attention to the small details that people point to and why they win championships, then I guess you can't appreciate the impact that it has. I remember Ed Reed of the Baltimore Ravens. He had a conversation with someone earlier this year. I believe it was at the Super Bowl, actually he had a conversation with someone and they asked about 2012 and when they won their super bowl and they asked ed they said ed can you point to one thing that really made a difference on that 20 2012 ravens team and why you guys won the super bowl and he kind of chuckled and said man one thing he goes dude it's everything it's how you take your tape off and the the reporter was like what take your tape off he goes yeah during, uh, during a point in that season There was a rookie On the team Who cut his tape off And then threw it on the ground I said man The trash can is right there Why don't you just throw it away And it's the small details like that How you carry yourself Each and every moment Dak Prescott had the same thing uh, Pulled up about him During his rookie 2016 season It was It, it blew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, he tossed a uh, Dixie cup over his left shoulder, didn't go into the trash can. He got up during the middle of the game, picked it up, through in the trash can. No one would have batted an eye if he didn't do anything. But it's small details like that, culture things that make a big impact. I'm not saying that one thing, but what you point to, or what that points to, is trust, dependability, consistency from other players. And Odell just hasn't proven that. He, he blasted his quarterback during a sit-down during the season. He talked about how he wasn't really sure if he wanted to be a Giant, if he was having fun being a Giant. Well, that's not exactly the way to stay a New York football Giant. I'm okay with the decision that David Gettleman made. That he wanted to trade Odell Beckham. The execution part, eh, not so much. I think he saw where the game was headed, and he said, "I gotta, I better cut my losses." But in the end, the biggest move, the biggest mistake that he made was trusting Pat Shermer. He should have cut bait with Odell last season, traded it to the Rams. They were reported to be very interested in him, but he made. The unwise decision of signing him. And now he's got to eat 16 million against the cap. <laughs> Moving on to LeVeon Bell. Man. That guy really gambled on himself. And boy, did he mess up. I this is I I won't spend too much time on it just because I've already talked about it, but I just I can't believe why he thought this would be a good idea in the first place. 10 to paper, $14.5 million guaranteed. You stub your toe during the middle of the season, tell the team you can't play, make a business decision, if you will, to borrow from Deion Sanders. You could have hit free agency with that guaranteed allotment and would have been much more stronger at the negotiating table. But since he didn't play you just kept yourself out of harm's way, lost out on 14 half million guaranteed dollars. You got 25 million guaranteed at signing and also in total guarantees. This deal is a is like a bargain for the Jets. They're getting a fantastic player and after 2 years they they can cut Bell and only have a 4 million dollar dead cap charge. I mean, this is good for the Jets. Not only did he sacrifice record setting deals he he didn't reset the market like he said he would he also said he wouldn't play if he didn't do that well surprised he signed this deal then the Jets my gosh this is great for them not only is he a great player but he's going to be cheap and they've been spending wildly got CJ Mosley got uh, Buster Scrine or screen got Jamison Crowder, who I think is one of the better wide receiver options on the market. They're really improving. Uh, Traded for Osimale over from the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell. Man, he really sacrificed. Oh, I I mean, I I won't even really take it much further. Man, swing and a miss. Really talked a big game there, Le'Veon. Much more bark than bite. And hey, you definitely are richer. Congratulations, got your money. But this is just this was dumb from the get-go. All the people in the media that said, that applauded this from Le'Veon Bell, man, do you guys not have foresight? You have no prescience whatsoever. Booger McFarland, I remember you on Monday Night Football applauding Le'Veon Bell for sitting out the season when the Steelers were, I believe they were playing Tampa Bay. My gosh. this was This was dumb from anyone who understands how the running back position is paid, how it's valued, And how to manipulate the cap, or excuse me, the franchise tag when it's applied to you. Just dumb from Le'Veon Bell. Still very rich, obviously, but man, $14.5 million in the hole, you'll never get that back. Shifting to something a little more local here, Kansas City Chiefs trade D Ford to the San Francisco 49ers for a second round pick in the 2020 draft, so not this season. But the, the 2020 draft, I know this appears to be a very light return, and I think it is for the Chiefs, but really what I think it was, it was a game of leverage that the 49ers uh, ultimately came out on top of in their favor. I think they understood that the Chiefs really wanted to get salary cap relief now, and that ultimately they probably didn't see him as a long-term fit, but the Chiefs were willing to go an extra year on the tag with d Ford to see if it was a potential fit or not but really they uh if they had to forecast the future they didn't see d as in their plan so the 49ers used that against them and they used a second round pick in next year's draft to land d Ford 87 and a half million over five years for d Ford uh strangely enough the, the you know the details on this still haven't been reported as of this recording so I'm not going to hammer this too much just because uh, I don't know those details, but it looks like it was a bit of an overpay by the 49ers. However, not an overpay by much if you think D. Ford is going to flourish and even improve to what you think he can be. The 49ers run a really a hybrid defense. Um, They're much like the New England Patriots in that they run a 4-3 and a 3-4 and really just a series of things that um, are neither. So, D Ford could be an excellent fit. I think he really is a, a useful player. And I do think he would have been a fine fit in Kansas City. They're switching to a 4-3. That's what he played at Auburn. And D Ford simply is a eager spin back, use my speed, get after the quarterback. And he really showed that last year. And I understand the conflicting idea of why you may want to hang on to a guy like that. He's a one-trick pony. That's all he's got. He just uses his speed off the edge to to beat tackles and to get to the quarterback. Also, his injury history, his bad back. Maybe they don't like the medicals on that, and it's as simple as that with D. Ford. They're not willing to dish out cash to a guy with that type of history. If that's the deal, I can totally understand the Chiefs um, waving goodbye. However, you know, I think it, it really just is a value of getting instant relief. Tyreek Hill, you can extend him now. They understand some of the uh, contracts on the horizon as well. Mahomes namely a, a, among them. But uh, they want this the salary cap relief. And ultimately, if they didn't think Ford was in their plans, why wait? Get it done now. They also appear to be going with a, a different philosophy on defense. They're really it I think they're gonna be investing heavily in uh in the secondary, as we've already seen. Uh they got the honey badger and he also can bring pressure off the edge on design blitz. He's a very useful defensive back. He can line up in the slot. Um he can play strong safety, free safety, uh even tackle uh in the middle of the field. So I think really it's just a shift in philosophy for the Kansas City Chiefs. They saw how they got torched down the road by the by the great quarterbacks Uh, really I'm just talking about Brady in the AFC Championship game, but they understand if they're going to take that next step, those are the quarterbacks they're going to face, those ones that really just diagnose the defenses and the holes in his own defense, and that the defensive backs are imperative in that situation because what Brady did is he schemed out their pass rush during the uh, AFC Championship game. So instead of going Indianapolis Colts uh, early 2010s with those Peyton Manning teams when you had Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, they said no. We're going to focus on the secondary because those pass rushers can be schemed out. Maybe that's a philosophy. Maybe I'm overplaying that a bit. That's kind of what's going through my mind right now. However, let's shift to the San Francisco 49ers because they've really had a good free agency period. And I'm really starting to see a lot of new England and how Kyle Shanahan is, uh, how he's constructing this offensive side of the football. He uses a lot of big personnel, a lot of traditional personnel, 12, 21, Two running backs, two tight ends, and he uses, uh, you know, tight alignment to really simplify things for his quarterback and also his offense. He just signed Tevin Coleman to a two-year $10 million deal. That is a steal. That could ultimately be the best signing when it's all said and done in free agency as far as value. As far as extracting value from a player comparative to his price tag. Two years, $10 million? That is awesome. Tevin Coleman can get to the outside better, uh, just as good as anyone, really, as far as a running back is concerned. And then he's also a fantastic catcher of the football out of the backfield. I'm really seeing just similarities between that and New England. you got Coleman, who can do both, uh, Jarek McKinnon, who can do both. Unfortunately, we didn't see him last year, but we saw glimpses of it in uh, in Minnesota. And then you got Matt Breida, Breida however you say it. He ultimately he could tote the rock in between the tackles pretty well, and then he also had a little bit of bounce-out speed to go along with that. Versatile running backs. Versatile running backs is something that he's prioritizing really over the wide receiver position. Not that he doesn't care about wide receivers, but just that he understands the value in having running backs that can do a lot of different things. And particularly, it becomes valuable when you have injuries to your wide receivers that are strictly just uh, wide receivers and don't line up in the backfield at all. You see that with New England. You see James White fill in. You see Rex Burkhead fill in. Even Sony Michelle flex out a little bit. There's a little bit of New England going on in San Francisco. I think it's pretty cool. I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have done a good job on the defensive side of the football as well. They got um, Quan Alexander, good player. That's the one I don't like. I think they overpaid for him. Um, good in coverage he kind of, for some reason he doesn't really seem to know what he's doing against the to run too well um, I thought that was a bit of an overplay I didn't like that too much but the ones I did like were the cornerback Jimmy Ward um, Jason Verrett Jason Verrett is an excellent player he just can't say healthy I like what San Francisco is doing I think they're building up depth along their team and then we're going to see him supplement maybe those marquee players in the draft because they have the high picks going maybe a little bit uh Inside out here, if you will, supplementing through free agency correctly. Um, and then we may see some really high-impact players in the draft. I like what San Francisco's doing. I think they're going to be a uh, contending team in 2019. Breaking news here on the podcast. The Tennessee Titans acquire Miami quarterback Ryan Tannehill. He will be going to Nashville to back up Marcus Mariota. If there was ever a sign that I was going to receive somewhat big news here in the podcast, it's announcing putting off the podcast because I hope I don't receive big news. So I had that coming, and, you know, I wasn't really planning on talking about this, obviously, because this was unforeseen, but, you know, just my thoughts on that. Um, they're going to sign Tannehill to a one-year seven fully guaranteed to back up Mariota. That's pretty pricey for a backup. Um, I kinda, I kinda get it though. I'm lukewarm on it overall. I think one year, 7 million is a bit too much. I think maybe like 5 million could have done the trick and, you know, it really shows you where they are with Mariota. They're willing to go to the fifth year option. They gave him that, that became guaranteed, uh, on the new league year, uh, the first day of the new league year. So they're going to be spending 27 million at the quarterback position. And with the state of their roster, where it's at, excellent defense, Need to improve on their playmakers, offensive line, pretty good. I understand why they would commit that kind of money. They can do it, Um, and they're trying to make the playoffs. They're vying for the playoffs this year, so I understand. Also, if Mariota proves to be ineffective at any point, you have a player in Ryan Tannehill who, from in the pocket, he can be pretty good. We've seen him play, you know, he's had flashes of excellence, uh, never been consistent enough. It's outside the pocket that he's really not good. So, in essence, they're kind of getting Marcus Mariota in a way. Maybe they're just trying to see under a different coordinator, under a different coach, if Tannehill uh, can be elevated uh, to a different level. It's really just an insurance policy, I see it, for if Mariota goes down, they have a similar player who can run the offense, who can step in and run the same offense that they're running. So, you know, I get it for the Titans. I think they overspend a little bit, but with where they are, where their state. Uh, of their roster is at Um, I understand them making that move but ultimately you know Miami what are they going to do they obviously tried to sell Bridgewater on coming to be a starter but that wasn't enough for him and they weren't going to keep Tannehill under any circumstances so trading him for a fourth round pick that's what it's reported as they're getting a fourth round pick in next year's draft and then they get a sixth in this year's draft so good for them um they really need to find a quarterback i think they're going to be looking in this year's draft if you ever heard me talk uh i think they have one of the better projects on their hands in the nfl uh so i'll take the time to talk about him now and that's luke falk the former washington quarterback he is a very very interesting case i i was really excited when adam gaze had the opportunity to get his hands on him he uh You know, obviously he's worked really well with quarterbacks. He's elevated. Um, Jay Cutler, he worked well with Peyton Manning, really cultivated offenses to how he preferred it and then also learned a lot about uh, game design through his years in Denver. I really think had Gaze stayed in Miami, he could have helped Luke Falk uh, earn the chance to start. I'm not here to clamor and say that Luke Falk – is one of the best prospects out there and is a a hidden gem. He's a very curious case though. And what I think he could have the potential to be one day, if he were to reach the ceiling that I think is, you know, a potential, or not the ceiling, I'm not talking about potential, just the track that he could take is a Tony Romo style uh, career. Sit for three years, you know, Romo was undrafted, sat for three years, learned from a great mind in Sean Payton, Obviously, Bill Parcells as well. I think if Luke Fox in the right environment, we could see someone that could potentially be a starter one day in the NFL. And Miami's got that on their hands. Uh, Not sure if uh, they're going to think as highly of them as I do. They obviously have uh, Brian Daly, or not Brian Daly, uh, Chad O'Shea as their offensive coordinator in Miami with Brian Flores, two New England guys. Maybe they'll see something. Uh, But Miami's got to figure out the quarterback position. Um, could be in on Drew Locke, could be in on Dwayne Haskins or Daniel Jones, uh, here in the 2019 draft, but that's breaking news here. Ryan Tannehill traded the Titans fourth round pick goes to Miami in return. Remember everyone free agency is not how you win in the fall. Still way too many ways to improve your team. You got the draft, you got the post June one cuts that come out. You got restricted free agents that teams choose to ultimately not tender a contract to. Just way too many things can happen between now and then. Don't worry, Steelers, Giants. Obviously, it'll probably be a rough 2019, but don't worry about 2020 being a a replicate of that. You still got good pass catchers Tate, Ingram, Shepard. You got to figure out the quarterback position, obviously, but you improve the interior. Uh, you got Saquon, obviously, as well. Don't don't think this is going to be a five-year thing. That The teams that make it a five-year thing are the teams that don't know what they're doing when it comes to refacing the roster. So, uh, cheer up there for all your teams out there that maybe are are going through a phase similar to that. Uh, but that's going to wrap up Episode 10 of the podcast here. Love to hear your questions. Uh, love to hear your comments on what you have to say. Go ahead and hit the hotline, 816 226 7483 let me know what you think have a great weekend big weekend here in kansas city we got the big 12 conference tournament uh for hoops you know not really a sport i care too much about but obviously going to be good atmosphere i'm going to check out some of those games uh have a great weekend hit me up slide up in those dms let me know what you think at pete4c we'll see you next week